Hello and welcome to What Will Become of Me, a podcast dedicated to discussions around topics that lots of people may not want to ask out loud, but would like an answer to. Our focus is around topics that may be more directed towards seniors, but really they can be helpful for people of any age. As a senior, you start asking yourself questions that you hadn't thought of before, like what will become of me? Well, we are here to talk a lot about those questions over a series of podcasts that we hope you will find helpful. So grab a coffee and sit back and listen. My name is Sharon Mohagan and I'm here with Leah Milton. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Leah. (laughs) And today we will be talking about our state of our mental health during this very, 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 very long pandemic. Today we are talking to Jane Zelke de Montbrun, Executive Director of our local Canadian Mental Health Association. Hi, Jane. Hello, Sharon and Leah. <laughs> How are you guys, my friends? We are fine. We yeah. are. It's so nice to have yeah. you here with oh, us today. So Thank nice you to for be here. Us. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so you know, Jane. You know, I mental health. I think in general is actually can be very confusing for people to even understand what it is, and I think that maybe sometimes seniors seem to actually get lost in this issue. Yeah. According to the World Health Organization, approximately 15% of adults over the age of 60 suffer from some sort of mental health disorder. And those are only the ones that are diagnosed with it. Yeah. Do you, what, what do you have to say? Well, actually, new data suggests that one in four seniors experience some mental health issue. And due to the aging population around the world, seniors with mental health disorders is expected to double by 2030. So that's, yeah, that's pretty. According to the Mental Health Commission of Canada, with the growth in our aging population, mental health problems and illnesses among older adults are likely to affect every family. If not addressed, the increasing pressure on the healthcare system will have significant social and economic impacts. So Jane, we've already had a podcast dedicated to depression, but again, I want to know what have you experienced with our seniors, especially during the pandemic? Uh, Has there been an increase in the depression? Yeah, it's hard for me to know. Um, You know, like uh, for us at uh, CMHA in the Battlefords, people will call sometimes when they don't know what to do or who to turn to or they're feeling lost or whatever. But I think that loneliness, isolation, and fear of severe illness due to virus infection, those have impacted seniors. Their family life has also been impacted and our ways of connecting virtually to cope with isolation has often not been an option for many. So that increases that feeling of loneliness and yeah, that's what I think yeah. are the, what's happening and with think, our older people. I think people. the fear too, I think the fear of uh, of of the pandemic has certainly uh, weighs on one's mind a lot, and especially if you're alone, you don't know. Right, for sure, and yeah. and then there's also like lots of conflicting um, information as we've gone along because it's been a very new experience for everybody in the world. Um, we haven't really had a pandemic before to um, base our decisions, um, you know, going forward. We don't have that experience, so add misinformation, um, you know, changes in, in how we do everything. Um, it just is really 
taken a toll on everybody. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah, it has. some more than others. And it depends on, you know, I think also what what you know about the virus and, and how you can filter out what is valid information what and what is not. And that's become really, really difficult because things aren't so transparent anymore. And, um, you know, even if you look at social media, you know, we have friends on social media, so we expect that our friends are going to um, convey messages that are true and trustworthy and stuff like that. And it's like a, this evil spreading thing of like misinformation that just mushrooms and mushrooms and mushrooms. And you can't differentiate between what is really facts about the virus or the pandemic or where it's going or even how our numbers are right now i don't think i think everything is so skewed yes by a lot of different factors that it's kind of scary well especially if you start talking about people who believe in getting vaccinated and people who don't believe in getting vaccinated yeah because then that information even gets more screwed because they want to defend the side that they're on yeah right yeah no for sure you know as a senior if you're living alone you know hopefully most of us have friends that yeah. you know we can sit and chat with but there's lots of people who don't right yeah and then you can also have like you know these differing differing perspectives about vaccination for example i mean like it's become so polarized that it's fracturing families it's also preventing people from getting together because like you have the people that are vaccinated and then the people that aren't vaccinated and then you throw in seniors which are have been identified as having more of a risk from infection of COVID-19. I mean, it just is a huge mess, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I worry about that all the time because yeah, I too. have a mother that's you For know, sure. 93 years old. Well, I'm a social butterfly, so... Yeah, you are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's really hard, It is. Right? Like, I don't... I can't, for my own um, health, mental right. health, I can't stop being around people because that would affect me. At yes. the same time, how do I deal with that if I have a really good friend who doesn't believe in vaccination? Right. You know, do I stay away from them because I'm going to go visit my mom next that's week? That's right. right. And like, you, have to, you have to do everything that you can to be safe around other people. So, like, you know, it becomes a consideration as well as, like, what are we doing as, as a person to protect not only ourselves but the people around us? And then we have to make these decisions that are sometimes heartbreaking because you want to go and see your your you know your mom or or whoever else is like you know at greater risk and you start thinking about like well have I done everything I should be doing you know like am I following all the rules like have I inadvertently maybe caught the virus and I don't even know and what if I spread it and what if I cause them to get really sick or what if they die and it's just like a never-ending type of like yes you know you can go into this rabbit hole I've gone into this rabbit hole you know where we all have well I think so and I mean like for me it was grocery shopping because like I would go grocery shopping and and, because I was the one in the I am the one in the family that goes and does that and I would you know sanitize my hands and then I would go and I would do my grocery shopping and then I would come out and then I would touch my car handle door and I'm thinking like oh I better sanitize my hands again but then oh I've touched my steering wheel and it's just like a let this really dumb I know it's funny right but I you know you have to go and say like stop yeah you know because this is not really helpful you know but I mean like that at the that's that happened to me at the beginning of the pandemic and I got I'm pretty I'm a pretty strong person I think so like if that's happening to me what about other people that aren't quite so you know strong-minded or or whatever or they they're isolated and they don't they don't get around people and they don't talk about things and and like 
yeah, it's just it's just not very good. And you know, you were you were talking about the loneliness thing. Oh yeah. So seniors, if you live alone, because you know, in most cases, one spouse dies before the other, right? We don't we're not lucky yeah. enough to die within minutes of each other, no, I don't, right? No, so not. you're left alone. So as a senior, you know, you've got health problems as it is. So you're more careful on a general basis. Mm -hmm. Then the pandemic comes along. Mm -hmm. You're already lonely because, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you may not be able to get out from, you know, because yeah. you can't drive anymore and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So you're already lonely. Now people are paranoid to come near you. Right. Because they yeah. don't want to make you sick. Yeah. But you, you know, need that. I think about my mom and honest to God, I think she would rather die of um, COVID than, than not be see able you. to see me. Yep, no, for sure. Because she's already sitting in her room all day, every day, totally lonely. Yeah, I think, the, like, for people in long-term care facilities or even assisted living, you know, facilities and stuff, I mean, like, I think there was a huge impact on mental health for those folks because they were in lockdown. If you even think of, like, you know, I mean, there are some seniors that are living at Saskatchewan Hospital, for example. They've been in lockdown pretty much this whole entire pandemic. Like... What does that do to you over time? Yeah, and it's not just um, old folks' homes. I know people mm -hmm. in senior apartments. Yes, that's what that I mean. That were yeah. locked within their own. They couldn't yeah. even walk down the hallway to say hi to someone. They're not allowed out. They're not getting the virus. Well, right? and I think yeah. I think at the beginning of the pandemic too, we were scared. All of us were scared of what would happen if we got uh, right. You yes. know, if, if all of a sudden we got in contact with somebody, what? Yeah. Were we going to die? You know, sort of thing. So yeah. I think we were extra precautious. Yeah. And so I think at the beginning uh, of the pandemic, there was that extra loneliness. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to handle it. And I think as with the last couple of years, now we're starting to say, you know, we do know how to handle this a little better. We do know what precautions we have to take. We do know we have to wear our masks and all this sort of thing. So I think, I think... Uh, we're a little more easier now than we first were, but that's... But I, it's going to take a while, because you know, if you look at all the ages, how many people have I talked to in the last three months that have had children that were born three years ago or less? Oh, yeah. So now you have a child that's one year old that for a whole year got to play and have fun and then was poof, cut off. Then you have those that were born that are now two years old and they've never had a playmate in their life. Or they've never seen anybody without a mask for the most part, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, what does that do to their mental state? But then if we're talking about seniors, same thing, right? Like you've now been locked away for two years. How does that affect your mental state? Well, I, I think that it's important to recognize too that, you know, you are in this lockdown um, position when the f pandemic first starts and then things open up, how how eager are you to embrace that? Well, you're not. No, you're not. I mean... And so, like, it, the, the isolation can perpetuate itself to a certain extent because, like, you, you're not now comfortable doing what you used to do because you have been living with... Um, this really crazy pandemic and this and, and stupid virus. No, no, it, that, do you know what? You know, it's, it's none of that. No, no, it's not. Like, I, no. I totally get all that and I agree with it. And everything. Yeah. I just worry about the end result of the mental illness mm -hmm. that, that causes all the people. Because well, you know, pain and suffering and I mean, all that stuff. Like, it, 
I mean, families have gone through some pretty heartbreaking stuff that was probably not even thought about before where, you know, you have someone that passes away and you can't even have a funeral right. because of that, mm-hmm. because of the virus and the risk of it. And yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, um, you know, we step up um, everywhere to try and change outcomes for people, you know, put more resources into um, promoting mental health because we don't, um, I think that... I think it's always been taboo, especially with our older generation. It's always been taboo, you know, sort of thing to talk about it. Do you even suggest that that maybe Mm -hmm. that you're having a tough time with things, you know? It's it's not a subject that is approached easily, especially with seniors. Yeah, I agree. Well, and I don't think we'll, you know, in our lifetime, people won't get over that. Like, it's an ongoing thing that we have to continue to work really hard at and it's been there for so long yeah yeah but i mean it has come a long ways i believe so i believe that in 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 lots of ways it has i think the challenge and i speak about this later about um the challenge for people um that have a mental health problem um and they're older because of how society was back when they were young Yep. which has a lasting impact on how you think about things mm. um, because you know that's just that's just how it goes right with life but yeah, yeah. and and do you think that um, like I don't know if you have any suggestions but for those that are seniors and are dealing with loneliness because that is you know what know, reaching out reaching out is so important um, a phone call you know, and families also supporting their their loved older pe- person in their family. You know, like I know we're all busy and everything like that, but um, taking just a little bit of time for a phone call, if they don't have FaceTime or whatever it is, it can mean such so much to that person. You know, mm-hmm. just to hear that voice on the other end of the phone. Um, it and it doesn't take a lot yeah. of time. And I think I think people forget about that. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think they forget People, that all they have to do is pick up the phone and say, hi, how are you? You know, sort of thing. Or even just, you know, like, send send a card in the mail. How, oh, yeah. How, how yeah. forgotten is mail? Oh, my God. I, I got a card in the mail the other day. And yeah, how uh, nice is that, eh? I opened yeah. it up, and it was just a card to say... Hi, you know, and I had a little joke in it. Thank you, Rob. And, uh, <laughs> you know, different things. And I, I thought, you know, here's a really super busy person who often takes the time to send me this in the mail. Yeah. And I get so excited because I get this piece of mail. Yeah. yeah. It's just like being a kid again. When you, <laughs> yeah, when, no, for when sure. Because you you, people don't send mail like they used to. Even Well, I don't think we pick up the phone like no, we used to. We don't, we don't pick up the phone. We send texts. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I, I try not to do that too much because it's just not the same, you know? Oh, I do um, way too much. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I called you, Sharon, instead yeah. of texting. You know, because like you start to text or email and then you go like, oh, for me, it's like, I'm not going to do this. This is just way easier to have a conversation. You get, it, is. it is. It is. It is. It is, yeah. But like email is like a putting off thing, yeah. you know, like... Or that because when you get email, oh, I'll, t- I'll tend to this later. Or, you just, or you don't expect a response yeah. right away. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you, you, you know, I mean, it's not realistic, but, I mean, we've kind of, you know, forgotten about phones, you yeah. know, which are handy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Jane, uh, we've touched a little bit on 
the loneliness and the emotion that it uh, leads to many other problems uh, for the seniors. And uh, so is there anything else you just kind of want to um, bring up that we haven't touched on or? Uh, you know, just that mental health problems are common among seniors and may, and may include isolation, which we talked about, affective and anxiety disorders, dementia and psychosis. Like many seniors can suffer from sleep and behavioral disorders, uh, cognitive de deterioration or confusion as a result of physical problems or surgery. So like this is, I can give you um, an example of that is that like I um, knew an older person who all of a sudden acted like she had um, like the late stages of Alzheimer's. And she was a widow and she lived by herself. And um, she, deteriorated and um, ended up uh, going to the doctor her family took her because they didn't know what was wrong with her and she actually had like a urinary tract infection yeah. but she had had that infection for so long that she never recovered from that and ended up with like you know cog serious cognitive disability because of it where she didn't know who her family wow. was really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so like that's like that's one that's just my personal experience with one of those things you know um you know depression is both underdiagnosed and undertreated in primary care settings symptoms are often overlooked and untreated because they co-occur with like another health problem older adults may experience risk factors and there's a lot of risk factors that can impact mental health for seniors. They include alcohol and substance use, dementia causing diseases like Alzheimer's or illnesses, I guess. Illness or loss of their loved one is a big one. Uh, Long-term illness such as heart disease or cancer, chronic pain, medication interactions, physical disability or loss of mobility, illnesses that affect emotion, memory, thought, and poor diet or malnutrition can all cause mental health problems for seniors. The most common mental health problems are depression, anxiety, and subst substance use. Well, you know, lots of times I think, I think I'll have a glass of wine or a drink <laughs> while I'm sitting, you know? And then I think, oh, well, was that, am I going to become an alcoholic? Is yeah. that like, wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you think, oh, would I start to Do I really on that? need that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I can see where. You can get pretty dependent on some substance abuse of some sort. Of well, so yeah. do you think do you think that um, there is an issue with people maybe not even recognizing that they are depressed? Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, like you know, those those around us are sometimes like helpful in recognizing things that we can't recognize for ourselves, right? So like, you might be grouchy all the time, but maybe it's because you you know. Maybe you're affected by the winter and uh, there's things that you can do to fix that, but you don't really realize it. So, you know, someone kindly saying like, hey, you're not yourself, like what's going on? How are you feeling? You know, you just don't seem like, like, you know, you, I know you kind of thing. They can help with that. Yeah, because you know, I think um, as family and friends, especially as Canadians, we're way too kind and we, we're always so afraid of offending someone or, you know, yeah. so we're not honest enough, um, and it's not that we don't care because we do. We actually care too much, so we don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, and I think there's some reservation there too, don't you think? Like that you don't really want to because you know, of the stamina that it's been given, right? Yeah. So I mean, as a person asking the question or the person being asked, yeah. you tend to get defensive, right? It's like yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, truly, 
it's it's out of love if you do it yeah. in kindness. <laughs> For sure. You know, yeah. and, and ask that person, right? Yeah. I mean, like, even the things that we, we, you know, how often have you come across people that say, hi, how are you, where they don't really want to know what you... Yeah. They don't want to know how you yeah. are. No, they're not asking. That's just a common response when yeah. they greet somebody. It's not an actual, like, how are you? I really do want to know. Yeah. Those are the people that can can help others say, like, hey, I don't feel that great. Like, I'm pretty open book. Like, if somebody says, hey, Jane, how are you? I'm going, like, I'm good. Or, oh, my gosh, I've had, like, this terrible day. Like, I don't, I, I don't. don't. No, I, and I don't say... I don't say I'm great when I'm not because right. like I don't know that's just my personality but not everybody can do that either right. no but I, I don't do it I mean I, I will somebody asks me how I am I'm great all the time <laughs> yeah but that's not true Ch Sharon <laughs> you can't be <laughs> you're pretty darn awesome in my eyes but I mean like we all have those down days you know yes that's true that's true but, but I mean I like let you know <laughs> But you know, I do think that that would help the stamina. Abs yeah, the stigma. More, you mean. Or, so yeah, that's okay. You. Yeah, it's it's the Denmark. I mean, it's not my fault. Of course <laughs> not. I know, Leah. <laughs> but you know, I do think that if people actually started giving more honest answers, do you know what? That is a really big thing that's so important. Is that when you, when somebody asks you how you are, that you say, yes. you don't have to go into big detail. Right. I mean, but. Also, with that comes, like, it depends on who's asking that question and how comfortable you are, right? Because to actually talk about, you know, your feelings and being upset or whatever, it takes some courage sometimes to actually reveal that because you show yourself as being maybe vulnerable, but actually more that you're human, Yeah, you know? Mm -hmm, exactly. And, like, when other people don't know if you're struggling because you don't communicate that, they can't support you either. Exactly. Right? You know, so, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Lots to think ah, about it's there. all going to yeah. get better. <laughs> so, um, Jane, there, there's an issue that we want to talk about. Lee and I are very interested in it, and we, we are. are. When we, Sharon brought it up, I was stunned. It was like, oh, my God, I've never thought about this. You are so right. Yes, and, and I really hadn't thought about it too much either until... Jane said, maybe we should talk about, and it's ageism, mm -hmm. and it's... Uh, I've never heard of that before. Oh, yeah. Isn't that bizarre? Not really. But, no. and yet, I mean, what a topic. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting, actually. I've experienced it a little bit, like, oh, you don't know how to work that Yeah. kind of thing. exactly. Uh, <laughs> just, just like a little, you know, like... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I just want to read a, a okay. couple things here. It's uh, that I found on the internet, and it says our attitudes about old age are learned as children as we witness how those around us react to it. There is also the influence of television show characters and media messages, whether positive or negative. We will greatly be influenced greatly by these. E external factors and we will apply these attitudes to others as well as our own aging process. So although the term ageism was first introduced by Robert, Dr. Robert Butler in 1968, ageism is still very much embedded in our culture and institutions of this day. It is also found in the workforce or employment. 
So let's talk about ageism. Yes. Jane, uh... Okay, well, ageism has serious and wide-ranging consequences for people's health and well-being and affects not just the elderly but young people as well. It is associated with poor physical and mental health, increased isolation and loneliness, greater financial insecurity, decreased quality of life, and premature death. The WHO's March 2021 report states that according to the UN, every second person in the world is believed to hold ageist attitudes. That, to me, is wow. Well, actually, when I, when Sharon and I were talking about it, yeah. all of a sudden it's like this light bulb came on yes. in my head going, oh, I say so many things. Yes. In, in, as a, you know, I'm joking or, you know, whatever, but honestly, yeah. if I think about it, yeah. I, I do the same. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's in in employment, it's yeah. so into the employment because uh, somebody coming out of university and just starting a job and is sitting across the way from you, and uh, they're thinking you old fart, you don't know nothing, you know, yeah. sort of thing, yeah. and just because of the age. Does, yeah. They don't think about the experience or about the learning ability that that person may have. Yeah. They just say, think right away, well, you're you're too old. You're too old to know what I have just learned in university or what I yeah. have just learned in tech school or whatever. You're just too old. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we interrupted you, sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's quite okay. This is what we're here for. <laughs> so COVID-19 has unveiled how widespread ageism is. For example, stereotypes about aging in public disclosures and social media. The pandemic has brought forward the vulnerabilities of older people. The marginalized overlapping discrimination, barriers, the poor living with disabilities, women living alone, and minority, minority groups. Age discrimination is often not taken as seriously as other forms of discrimination, but it can have the same economic, social, and psychological impact. So what we need to do is raise awareness about its existence and dispel common stereotypes and misconceptions about aging. Aging is a highly individual experience. Everybody ages differently. We cannot make assumptions about the skills and abilities of an older person based on age. We need to remember human rights principles that require everyone be treated as individuals and assessed on their own merits instead of assumptions and that everyone be given the same opportunities and benefits as everybody else, regardless of how old they are. We must uh, recognize that our seniors make significant contributions to our communities and age and that we must not limit their potential. Finally, the experience of ageism and age discrimination can differ with identity. Certain groups of seniors may experience unique barriers because of their age combined with gender, disability, sexual orientation, race, color, ethnicity, religion, culture, and language. So like it's a huge thing. And you know, when you talk about like workplace, you know, why is this old person working? That's taking a job from me, mm -hmm. yeah. right? You know what, this new person doesn't, or, or this old person, they don't know how to use a computer. They aren't techie, techie savvy. You know, and, and it's just like this erosion of like the value of seniors everywhere because like there's such a valuable, valuable part of of our whole existence. Yeah. Really? They have all that history, they have all that experience. They have, you know, time 
who are the volunteers typically? Mm-hmm. They yeah. aren't younger people. Yeah. You know? Well, and I mean, if you take away that, like even if you look at North Battleford and if you took away like all the seniors out of that volunteer pool, what would that look like? Exactly. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I mean like it's something to think about because oh, it's, it's huge and you know uh, I fought that uh, all my working career because I w- was always usually in positions of helping to hire people yeah and everybody always wanted to hire the youngest brightest and I w- that was a huge frustration for me constantly always fighting to get people to hire people who were older with experience yeah. and knowledge and knew what customer service meant and yeah because everything even that has changed a lot right yeah 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 no for sure i mean it's 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 just a huge thing um and and we need to stop it really yeah. and and value our seniors for all all that I find too they're that so valuable. They are, and it's, I find that or we are. I so guess because we are. <laughs> I'm a senior. Are, we are. Yes, we're all seniors we, here. We know a couple of things. I think <laughs> you know, even though you know. I find a lot of uh, younger uh, people, and not all, all of them, but there are a, a majority of them have no respect. Yeah. No respect for the seniors or no Yeah, it's because that that's part, part of it, of right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, there's we're not seniors are not considered uh worthy. Uh, there's another you know, like there's another misconception that seniors take up all you know, all of the healthcare money that's budgeted every year. That's not correct though. But that's an that's a misconception that is part of this ageism and, and this type of discrimination against seniors. And I, you know, I, it, it's heartbreaking when you talk to somebody that's like, you know, older than me, like I'm 63, but I mean, like say somebody that's 80 something, for example, you know, they can't even find a doctor. Right. You know, like that, because like doctors are, are part of this problem as well. Not all of them, but I mean, like there are, physicians have been identified as not wanting to take older patients on their caseload because they take too long, you know, whatever. They have more health problems. Absolutely, they do. You know, but still, and I mean... someday they'll be there, too. Exactly, they will be. You know, so, like, um, we have to change this. Like, you know, because a, because we have this aging population and it's going to yeah. be so much bigger. Yeah. Right? Because we were all born, like, you know, the baby boomers. I mean, there's yeah. a big group of us. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting... Um, I think the first time I actually started to notice that, which I just laughed off, is when people started calling me ma'am. Yes, oh, yeah. Ma'am. And it was like, <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> but it was like, yeah, okay, whatever, I can handle that. But it was when my knees gave out. And, oh, you know, yeah. I, I walk like an old lady now because <laughs> yeah. I need knee surgery. And just the difference now. And when we talk about mental health, oh my God, like, I could start off a day like really happy and feeling young because you yeah. know in our heads we all think we're still thirty, right? Yeah. Get out there and try shopping, yeah. and my knees are giving out, yeah. and I'm walking like I'm ninety, and all of a sudden people are treating me differently. Oh, and, interesting. You know, by the time I leave and go home, I feel like I'm eighty-five. <laughs> right? yeah. 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 And 
not even that they realized they were doing it or meant to or and part of it's me because I you're aware of it very maybe, perhaps? sensitive to yeah. that and so I was aware of it and but it all happens right yeah and I have to go home and readjust yeah well and I think too ageism is embedded in our society like look at the birthday cards uh, over the hill you know? Well, yeah, but that's age. at 30. No. You know? <laughs> but, you know, that type of thing, over the hills and, and what are, you know, age 75 or, you know, you young person at 80. You know, like it's just kind of, it's embedded on our society and we don't realize it. We don't realize we're even doing it, you know, sort of thing. So Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of humor that a lot of seniors have, you know, like about the aging process but like I said it's it's like an individual thing like getting old um can be like a very graceful thing mm -hmm. or a very fought thing yeah. yeah right and it and and I guess it's how we look at ourselves and um and how we want to be down the road and when you talk about thinking you're 30 in my mind I've always been 28 I'm not but in my mind, I think I am. Yeah. And yeah, my yeah. mom, my mom said um, to me, she said, Jane, y you wouldn't believe it. Like, I feel like I'm in my 20s. But then I look in the mirror and think, like, how did I get this body? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just like, yeah. you know, like a sudden realization. Like I've I've had that like with with like all of a sudden, like your skin doesn't have the same elasticity and, you know, you're getting more wrinkles and you're getting more gray hair or whatever. You and it's like, wrinkles, so. oh, heck, I got tons of wrinkles. But you know what I mean? Yeah. But th the thing is, is that like, so do I want to go and get like Botox to fix my wrinkles or whatever no I don't I want I want to age Grace. I want to try and be graceful about my age and still have fun and laugh and yeah. you know I mean I'll tell you a funny story is that like I got a I got a great doctor now but I had a hard time getting one and um, she had she was very new to me she didn't know me and I went and saw her and then she called me and she said you know, she said who she was, and she asked me who I was, and I said, yeah, this is me. And she goes, born in 1958, you're 60 whatever at that time. And I go, yep, yep. She said, like, wow, you don't sound like it. And nice. it, we had, like, a really good yes. chuckle about yeah, it, right? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> but, I mean, like, everybody ages differently, and, and like... There's nothing wrong with it, but it seems like society is is like, oh, you got to be beautiful, and I mean, like to you me, you got to weigh a certain weight. You got to you, you got to be beautiful. You, gotta, you have to have this perfect life. You have, and, yeah. you know, I mean, all these things that that are so fake. Well, yeah, I mean, because you look at lots of movie stars that are in their eighties. And look like they're 40, right? Because they've got so much. Yeah, but look at their neck is what my exactly. mom always used to oh, say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? But, you know, society dictates that to us. Just like I but think that, you know, at 65, you are considered you should be retired. Right, right, so, but you might not be able to because of whatever situation. Like if you, you don't want to. Well, exactly that too. Yeah. Who's I, to say? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be 73, and I do not oh, want come to be. On, you're not that old. Oh, thanks, honey. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to quit working. No. I no, I mean, like, I like my sister. Working. My sister is like that. She's she um, she didn't want to, you know, quit working because like, she couldn't stand 
like being not being a, yeah. being not being with people. Yeah. You know? And so like that's another another thing that that, you know, maybe maybe give some thought to as we age is that like what are we gonna do with ourselves? Absolutely. Right? Because that will support our mental health. Absolutely. Whether it's going whether it's traveling or whether it's volunteering or whether it's like in you know, hanging around kids because kids are fun. Yeah. You know, if you like kids. Or whatever. Getting a part-time what? job at something that you could never do before and, and you you really would like to try it. But you have to have that opportunity. And so, like, everyone in the community has to see that value mm-hmm. and give whoever's looking for that opportunity the chance to do what they want to do. No yeah. matter how old you are or how young you are. Like, you know, is I don't there, know. Is there any awareness out there about this? Ageism? Yeah. because I, I don't know. I can't say I've seen See, because honestly, this was a, when Sharon and I started talking about it, that was the first time it occurred to me. Like, I've never seen anything on it. Have you? No. No, I haven't. So, I, I introduced you guys to something new. Oh, wow. you did. You did, <laughs> you absolutely. Did. I, um, I just read about it not that long ago and honestly as I'm getting older my memory is not quite like it was it's actually because I have so many thoughts in my head I can't keep them all but anyway (laughs) um they overflow well yeah you know like I have to start like yeah throwing some stuff out no (laughs) but um yeah I thought when I read about it and I didn't read that much about it initially I thought this makes total sense and and I have I have experienced this and I, I think I, not only have we all experienced it, but we've probably also dished it out and not even realized it. Yes. Oh, I yeah. agree. I agree yeah. with that. And, yeah. and, yeah. And, like, I mean, it's it's also in, like, how you've been brought up and, and you know, how you've treated um, your grandmother or, or whoever, right? Like, you know, um, for me, I've always loved old people. Older people. I shouldn't say old people. Older people. I've always found them extremely interesting, and having conversations with them have always been really, really um, inspiring a lot of times because they talk about, you know, what it was when they were young and how different the world was. And I always found that, wow, you know, like some of the hardships and stuff, like amazing strong people and they're older now and they have stories to tell and that's probably one of my biggest regrets is not being able to get the stories from my mom and dad before they passed away like the stories of how they grew up and and the struggles that they went through yeah that's probably one of the biggest regrets that I have yeah yeah so Jane uh treatments for mental health care are so vast and individual needs are so different and services might not be available in all our communities and I know you have increased awareness in our community a hundred percent thanks Sharon so thank you Jane. yes, yes. It's and been have great. many programs to offer do you want to respond to some of these programs and I know it's probably going to be a little hard with the, some of the programs with the COVID but well actually um, we've been very fortunate because our organization for the most part has been able to remain open and provide services and supports for people all throughout the pandemic I was a little dicey at first <laughs> um, you know when the whole country shut down it was like I think I think we were closed for maybe a week or two and then we started to reintroduce programs again and always provide support for people um, like if they called so we our office was closed but we were there um, so um, right now uh, we are struggling a bit because we've had some vandalism of our um, 
vehicles, which has um, taken away two of our four vehicles that we use and all of our programming. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Our All of our programming revolves around transportation because a lot of, oh, yeah. like our members, they don't have that. And, and transportation is a barrier, so we take that away with providing it. But um, in uh, kind of like more normal circumstances, like if you were to look at us like a month ago, um, we provide uh, day wellness programs. Um, our vocational therapy program, you guys are both familiar with because we do snow removal with uh, for you guys. Thank you so <laughs> much. Well, you know what? Our our folks on that crew, they love to get out and do that. So um, it's, it's a very much win-win um, situation. But they do other things like clean at the Civic Center. Um, they do janitorial work. A really cool part of the program is that they do housekeeping for other people with significant mental illness so that they remain in their homes so oh, that's a, that's yeah. really really cool and, um, you know uh, not just snow removal but spring and fall cleanup absolutely you know because and mowing yeah because until recently you know I lived in a yard that had a gazillion leaves and <laughs> a yard that was too big for me to do I know and yeah. you know this group comes in and literally half yeah. an hour later Wow, that yard! Wow, they must have worked hard that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty consistent. I mean, it's amazing, and oh, it's, that's good it's to hear. Cleaned up, it's bagged up, it's removed. I mean, it's yeah. a godsend. Honest yeah, God. yeah. So, like, I'm really proud of like the folks that are. Um, that that our folks do in the community, and I always say to them, I said, like, you guys are so valuable here. You know, you are you are my stars because you are working out in the community and helping other people which you need to feel good about yes and yes, they do they're yeah. they're proud of what they do i could not have done i, can't I know do that myself yeah so right, there's so. many many people on our list that that are just like you guys mm -hmm. were you know um we provide that service so it's 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 a great great thing to see unfold every day when they go to work um, we also have peer support, and this program is a fairly new program um, where we provide uh, group peer support meetings for people with lived experience, as well as one-to-one -one, um, intentional peer support. So it's all based on recovery. Um, I have four trained peer supporters, and they provide that service to other folks to help them on their recovery path and, and stay well. We've got recreation that runs for our members for evenings a week or weekends, and we do trips sometimes uh, when it's available or allowable, I guess is a better word for yeah. that. But we take them on a tour every year so that um, they can afford a vacation because they wouldn't be able to do that otherwise. And um, the two newest things that I'm pretty proud of is our independent uh, supported housing project that finished in August. And uh, with that project came a recovery college model called the Living Well Learning Center. So we're housing eight tenants that have come from like group homes or Saskatchewan Hospital, for example. And uh, they are living independently with support, um, which they receive once a week. And they're doing wonderful. And I said, they're my stars. And they're just, it, they're just really super happy. They all have their own apartments and they're doing really, really well. And then on that property, we have like the Living Well Learning Center, which is um, a common building that the tenants get to use. The common building also is an emergency transitional housing space for somebody temporarily. And then it's the home base for the Living Well Learning Center, which is um, uh, 
where we provide courses in the community to everyone about a range of different uh, topics like for example they just did loneliness and isolation uh, the art of friendship where we learn where we learn about like how to be good friends and what and boundaries and things like that building better boundaries is another one Um, there's something that um, for everyone I'm sure that they can find interesting in the courses that we're offering in the community and they're free Nice. nice, very good. So, um, you know, we have congratulations. A, yeah, yes. thank you. That's amazing. I didn't think that would happen that quick, but it seems like my time at CMHA, my timelines for things, um, they happen quicker than I expect, which is a really beautiful thing to see. But yeah, no you know, like I thought with our building, we'd have to take two years to raise eight, I don't know, six hundred thousand dollars, and we did it in eight months. Oh, good you know, for you. Yeah. Uh, but this housing, the housing, and that common building that was attached to it. Um, I actually started working on that in 2012, so it took me a long time to get that established. But it's a beautiful project, and um, and I see it as like the beginning of more of its kind, where everybody together, the, all those people that are living in that property, they all have that same connection, because they're all living with a mental health problem or illness, mm-hmm. which makes for a very different dynamic than if you're in an apartment building by yourself and you might be the only person that's struggling everybody there i'm not saying that they're struggling because they're not they're doing amazing but you know i mean we do when we have a mental health problem there are days that that we're not doing so well right just like if you have diabetes and your sugar goes through the roof or it crashes or whatever it's no different so it's just a really beautiful thing they've created this community and they 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 have each one of them has a buddy and they check up on each other and so there's like that support that I just find so amazing so I'm I'm really I'm so happy for them that they get to live on their own yes. I mean That's honestly a big, a it's big like achievement like you think about some people who have lived in an approved home for 15 years and never been able to decide what they could have for supper on their own oh. So like, you know, and not that yep. not that they weren't yeah, well cared yeah. for, but I mean like we all want to be able to make that decision. We want to or we want to be independent. Yeah. Or we want to decide when we want to get up in the morning sometimes. Yeah. Right? So that's what that project has allowed some people to do that wouldn't otherwise be able to live on their own. So, I don't know. That's I'm just amazing. I yeah, it's called Independence Commons. It's at 1942 Kramer Place, really close to your place, Sharon. <laughs> um and it's, you know, like it's it's just it uh, just makes me so happy just to think about it. You can tell you guys. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm so happy for you guys. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of us. Um you know, we we're always an open door for people. Um you know, I've I've had lots of people call where they just don't know what to do and we're that friendly voice on the other end of the phone where we can say like hey how can we help you and really mean it like so do you have uh like uh volunteers that like man the phone like you know or is it just you (laughs) me me often me often but I, i do have staff as well but they're i mean my staff are all around programming so um you know, so I'm often the person that talks to others uh, when they don't know exactly what to do. Yeah. It might be themselves and, or and, it might be their the family. And the reason I'm asking that is mm-hmm. because if you're depressed at 10 o'clock at night or something and you're, you know, I yeah. mean, and, and it's, 
you know, do you have they like should, a twenty four seven? They should call the health line. Okay. Right, yeah, and yeah. and um, and it depends. You know, like if you're in a crisis, you got to call nine one one. Yeah. Okay. If you sure. if you yeah. think that you're at risk of self harm or harming someone else, you gotta call 911 and say, I'm having a mental health emergency. Yeah. And. Now. Yeah, and, and you should be connected to somebody that has some mental health expertise, yeah, a right. professional, yeah. so that you can get help yeah. right away. Yeah. You should never have to wait. Yeah. Other things when you're really, really struggling, you know, um, after hours, you can go to emergency at the BUH and, and identify what's going on with you you don't have to say exactly but it i think it's so important for us all to know that if we're experiencing some mental health problem that's to the point where we need to go and see somebody that we need to at least identify that so that you can get the proper service well, not if, only that, right? but it, it does extend out to being uh, a physical health problem oh it can right? be mental right. you, you know that's interesting you say that because women mental health problems for women will present as physical problems right Hmm. Interesting, eh? So not men, not men, but women. All of a sudden you Maybe. think you're having a heart attack? Yeah, or, yeah. or, or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. Jane, it's been a slice. Hey. <laughs> we are so appreciative of you coming in this afternoon and talking to us about, it could be a sensitive subject for a lot of people. And uh, we are uh, very grateful that you have given us your expertise on uh, this. I don't know about that, but yeah. Anyway. Well, but also, thank you for all the years. Yes. I've been there for a while, hey? You ten. Have. I've been ten. there ten years at CMHA. It has been the, the most... Rewarding? Oh, I'm blessed. Yeah. I say that. I say that. I'm sure you guys have heard me say that. Yeah. <laughs> I have been the most blessed person to be able to be where I'm at uh, and work with such an amazing group of people who I think are some of the bravest people I know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome.